Remember that one movie that made you shed a tear? The one that made you laugh out loud? What about the one that made you think that you missed the point? Why not take another look? Give it another chance? Two Takes Podcast, an analysis about films you love, and perhaps the ones you hate, forming theories using psychology, mythology, and much more. You could learn something new. So listen in for new episodes and get updated on Instagram. Two Takes, a deeper look at movies the second time round. podcast i'm liz your host <laughs> just <laughs> jump right into it um and today we are talking about mad max fury road and the character Im- imperator furiosa who is played by Charlize theron in uh this film iteration but we'll talk about the other part of that later um but today i have with me uh returning champions christine and jane and Hi newly minted returning champions but i'm saying that without knowing whether this episode or the other episode is going to come out first haven't decided that part yet but we have potentially new new faces of morgan and joss or returning champions morgan and joss depending on how time works hello hello time is an illusion it it really is it's a state of mind but i so I think just to kind of jump right in, and I know I said I would talk about it later, but I kind of want to bring it up now. Um, were okay. Were you guys all aware that they are making a Furiosa movie? Yes, yes. and I cannot fucking wait. I am so excited. I in general and about the casting in specific. Mm-hmm. Like yes, yes. It it looks like it is going to be uh-huh. like actually good which when i say that it scares the shit out of me because then i'm gonna start like really really researching trying to figure out like you know what what else is gonna happen how are they gonna fuck this up for this character so the movie starts off with essentially mad max and and this kind of um wasteland of course it's a wastelandish kind of movie and one of the very first questions posed by the movie is um, who who killed the world? And I kind of want to start off with that just because... Dudes, dudes did. Bro. Yeah. Okay. Greedy. Yeah, Bros. Bro, Greed. Mo- I mean, Moving uh, on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not just it's not just dudes. It's the patriarchy. Right. It's, right. Capitalist, capitalism, military conquest, top of the top white of the supremacy, list. all of it at, 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 at the helm, men. Yes. Yeah. Oh, no way. It's the same Scooby Doo villain from last time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very <laughs> much so. Pull the damn mask off, and it's just literally the patriarchy underneath every single thing. Darn feminists always toppling the patriarchy. <laughs> so, when you, when I first watched this movie, like back, I mean, 
I didn't watch it immediately when it came out. I actually have a note on here that like I wish that I saw it when it was in theaters just because of how oh, fucking yeah. incredible it's like the it best was. It's visually so cool. It was incredible. It's beautiful. The yeah, it's like it, a beautiful fucking It was movie. so good in theaters. My girlfriend actually had already seen it. Uh we just recently got together and she I was like Oh yeah, the Mad Max movie looks okay, but like you know, I never got into the earlier franchise. And she's like, "I've never seen a Mad Max movie before this one. We're going to watch it." And I was yeah, like, go. "Okay, Miss like film art school student, like yeah, we're going to the movies. I'll buy." <laughs> and What's... I was so glad I got to watch it in theaters. Just sound design, the spectacle of it all, the crowd reactions were phenomenal. And for background, uh, I was living in Minneapolis at the time, and Minneapolis is a pretty liberal, pretty feminist city overall, demographically, and we were watching it at the little indie theater that mostly only cool people go to anyways, so, like, the vibe in the theater was just on point. So, like, I, I think, think... I think a lot of the... the One of the best things that I can say about this project is that... It's not necessarily like the bigger um, the bigger name or like the bigger title of a movie, but the editor, like the actual editor of yes. the film is a woman. And her other big film, you it would surprise you, was I think like what um, like Babe Pig in the City. Mm. So another classic. Another fu- another classic <laughs> Mel Gibson esque yeah. action yeah. film, Babe Pig in yeah. the City. <laughs> Margaret um, Sixel is her name. Yes, Margaret Sixel. I think, um, and, sorry, I just have yeah. to insert this fun fact because Todd told me this last night. Even though I've seen the movie like 10 times, it blew my mind. Um, so apparently there's not a lot of CG in this movie. No. Like there's some no. scenes where like you can tell it's CG, but there's just a ton of bodies just rolling around all the mm-hmm. time. People are it's actually falling effects. off of cars. Yes. Yeah. I have that note in here too. Like I it's miss insane. that feeling. I can't believe nobody died. Like, yeah, well, that's the funny thing is there was a scene where Max is hanging off one of the trucks and like crawling on underneath or on the side or something. And Tom Hardy's kid is on set that day and the kid's all interested. And he's like, "Okay, so wait, like, isn't that super dangerous? And and the stuntmen are like, well, we've got him attached to two steel cables. that will hold 5000 pounds each. Your dad only weighs like 200. Like, he'll be fine. And the kid's like, well, what if a cable breaks? And they're like, well, they got we got two cables. And he's like, well, what if the second cable breaks? And they're like, I guess your dad dies then? (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. And the kid's like, okay. And just watches the whole scene. And then, you know, Tom Hardy gets done. It's like, you okay, dude? He's like, yeah, that was awesome to watch. (laughs) That was the coolest thing ever. Damn, that's wild. Yeah. I miss those yeah, there's movies. Very, like, I believe all the cars were actually built. Yes. Yes. And yes. They actually were all my, custom. Like, of course, addiction is the guitar player. Oh, that yes. actually the, the dusty yes. guitar is like, incredibly heavy should... because it actually put the flames on it. Oh, my yeah. God. The sequel to he that actually movie has a could name. just be the guitar guy. What's his name? So he actually has a name. So it's really funny because I love Seth Meyers and I watch Late Night with Seth Meyers all the it's time. It's the Doof Warrior. The, the Doof Warrior. Christine, Duff. Not Doof. Not, Sorry, it's, yeah, Duff. That's why he, he got in trouble from like Australia by pronouncing it like wrong. But it's apparently it's Doof Warrior. So I don't know what that means, but that's that's how it was. That's how my ears heard it pronounced. So I'm sorry if I pulled a Seth Meyers and pronounced it wrong, Australia. Like, 
get the fuck over it. <laughs> so immediately when I got when I started watching this movie for the first time like years ago I I see a man and he is like just in the middle of a wasteland and he has these visions of people that like I guess he was either meant to save or tried to save or whatever and transfer that into my brain now after like you know becoming a hashtag woke feminist like I I'm immediately thinking like okay this is a white savior like narrative that's about to play out here and we're gonna see this man going to save all these women and you know it's just gonna be another one of those movies and then when you watch it and then you watch it again and you see like the the context of these women in this movie it's like they made this decision themselves to try to escape. Like they literally, mm-hmm. they and they went to another woman too, which I think is what's incredibly telling mm-hmm. um, is that they, they didn't feel safe going to the other men in this world. Um, they didn't feel like they had a voice. Well, they're all white, literally. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they literally are all white. There's not a single person of color in this movie, which like that's something that we will. Oh, there are. They're all the, well, yeah. uh, there is a black woman Yes. Who is one of the mothers, and she is hooked up to Zoe the Kravitz. machine? Yeah. And oh, Zoe oh, you're talking well. about yeah. Yes, oh, yeah. No. no, I was yeah, I was gonna say Zoe Kravitz no. as well. But I was yes, like, there is yeah, one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. What are, What are some feelings that you guys have before we kind of jump into notes? So I've I've got two thoughts, and uh, one of them is I love the way this movie, and I don't even know how to describe it. It's it's you know the show don't tell thing, like. I have a huge complaint about movies because I really fucking hate watching rape scenes in movies because it almost always puts you as the aggressor. I love the fact that this movie, they don't like describe the horrible abuse. These women Mm -hmm. are being inflicted. They don't show it to you. They don't talk about it. They don't mention it. They leave you with one simple message. We are not things. Mm -hmm. And that tells you everything you need to know about what's going on there. And you can just think about it yourself and that's it. Yeah. And like, it's not gross. It's not, you know, whatever. They're not victim. And and it doesn't victimize the women either. They're taking control back and telling Immortan Joe, we are not things. We are not property. Adios. We're gone. Like, you can't do this to us. And then, like... It's it's great, and I also want to bring up something that I noticed about the movie and then saw confirmed in several articles and from several of my friends who are into, like, women's studies majors and stuff. Um, Max's character, I feel like, is not only not, like, the white savior character, he's a trauma victim. Mm-hmm. He doesn't speak for the first 30 or 40 minutes of the movie, and the first words out of his mouth are water. Like, yeah. he doesn't care about what's happening to them. He, like... He needs water now. It's it's about him, but not in a selfish sense. It's a, I'm so incapacitated right now, I can only think of self-preservation. And slowly throughout the movie, he starts speaking. He develops a relationship with these, with these women. And, like, they rehabilitate him. And it's not in, like, a, oh, women caretakers. It's like, no, just having the presence of compassionate human beings who are wholesome and aware like he becomes rehabilitated and goes from not trusting them to handing them back all the weapons he took away from them initially and trusting implicitly that they will watch his back because they've so quickly 
made him realize they're not a threat to him, and in fact, they're all on the same side, even if they perhaps didn't think so initially. Right. I I think it's, you were definitely right there, especially with the, the trauma, because, like, in the very beginning, it says that, you know, he's a man with one instinct <clears throat> to survive, and he's had his family ripped away from him. Like, I mean, his family was killed, his family was murdered. Um, he used to be a cop, um, and it's like, I I look at it as far as um, the two com- the comparison between Max and Immortan Joe of how one person believed that they could save somebody, they failed, and then, you know, they're now left as a, a victim of trauma, whereas another person thought they could save somebody, they failed, and they thought it was a success. So they continued a rise to power. I think one of the things that stuck out, watching it recently, I'd forgotten there were just parts that I'd forgotten and parts that I like, especially watching it again, um, looking for the feminist ends of things, looking for the women specifically. Um, while I, I do love the idea that it took, like, like it was said, you took a women went to another woman to get them out and she's taking them to more women. Like mm-hmm. it's, we're, it's, it's, this is how we're going to run the line. I just want to say, I loved that Imperator Furiosa was not implicitly sexy yes yeah like the women like 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 the breeders were obviously that's you know you, you see that they probably left with the literally the lack of clothing on their back like mm-hmm. Charlize Theron as a whole like she could stand in a corner and just ooze sex appeal she's gorgeous and but at no point were they like here are her breasts here is her butt like she's no she was just badass and she was yeah. dirty and it done too. from the start speaking of the dirty this is why I love Charlize Theron. They had the gang, you know, they get progressively grosser as they haven't had a shower throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And the people in the makeup trailer, are like sitting there, like trying to dust them with the, the brushes and like get them dirty looking again. And Charlize Theron's like, why are we wait- like, why are we spending hours doing this? Walks outside and everyone's like, what are you doing? Climbs up to a dune and just rolls down the sand, like yeah. barrel yeah. rolls down the sand dune with her arms crossed. And it's like, how's this? Do I look dirty enough? And they're like, Yep. Oh, yeah, that was perfect. Yeah, and everyone fun. else followed suit. Like, mm-hmm. it took her being like, "This, we're doing this the dumbest way possible. Let's just be adults about it and go roll in the sand to look dirty again. We're going to be dirty at the end of the day anyways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Touching on sex appeal. So I, my first thought that I opened with was that this was a movie made by men for men. And I, I, I think that is true to a degree. I think it's maybe a little hypercritical of me to say that, but there are a couple of moments in particular where I feel like it does miss the mark, specifically the moment that we meet the wives. They're like these virginal angel looking creatures and they're like supernaturally beautiful. Um, And I, I just, I, I kind of wish, and I wish they had picked women who looked like they could bear children. I, I took a little bit of issue with them being thin. It's possible that they that it was we were supposed to infer that they were being malnourished. But then when we see the mothers who are being milked, they're all fat, very large. Um, so I would have thought that we would have seen a little <clears throat> more, you know, some childbearing hips on these women. 
Um, that moment to me was a little, I, I felt like that was lackluster. And there were a couple, like, uh, uh, Furiosa gets very dirty through the film. They are not afraid to let her get dirty, and I like that. But there are a couple of moments with the wives where it's like, the, why is her face clean? Why is her hair perfectly curled? Come on, like, there's still just this, it is all... It, this film can't exist in a vacuum. It is all still through the male gaze and has to appeal to the male gaze. Um, and there's there's just a couple of moments where it just kind of like, it doesn't do it. For the most part, it succeeds, but sometimes it definitely falls short because we cannot escape, you know, the fact that it was directed by a man and Hollywood is so dominated by men. I think, though, I, I absolutely agree with, because... I think when you see women in these, like, incredible, dirty, you know, like, they're rolling around in this, like, gas, whatever, no, I guess it's full of water, but whatever. Um, yeah, you're like, why, like, why does she still have makeup on? Why does she still look this way? But part of me, and we'll never know unless we get on the horn with George Miller, but, like, part of me almost thinks that was for irony's sake, this idea that the, sure. you know, the juxtaposition between the the feeders and the breeders and how the feeders were, like, ugly and large and just, like, the kind of, like, cast aside. And then the women that he had chosen, right? So it's almost making more of a statement about the bad guy and how awful he is. Sure. And that he would keep these women. And, and part of the reason why I see it that way is that you can tell that they've been just completely removed from the world at large, right? So they're showing a level of compassion to the war boys. They don't want to, you know, have, they, they clearly have no idea what's actually going on outside of their compound, right? They have no idea what the world is actually like. And it's like, to me, that almost speaks of them. And maybe they don't do a very good job of it, but of them trying to be like, this is how the world wants women to be. And then this is how women have to actually be, right? The women want, but the world wants them to be like this and nobody can actually be like that. I think so one thing that I that you guys are kind of bringing up is this idea that like the appearance of the woman defines her purpose. And so if we look at this movie, we really do. First of all, like if this movie was written and directed by a man or by a woman, sorry, I think that we would celebrate those appearance those kind of like niche appearance things and I feel like that's almost one thing that like I personally have to try to let go of more in my own like acceptance of of every gender in equality that like you know men can create good art for women as well that can also be enjoyed by men and like the the appearance defining their purpose I think is super interesting because you've got these hot women right like they are all gorgeous they are thin they are like beautiful they are well kept like he keeps them like in a almost safe laugh like laughably so right yeah like, they're like yeah they like look like butter much yeah, yeah. they shouldn't yeah. be that beautiful and like they they're kept in a safe right they're these they're yep. almost like china yep. dolls like you keep them on this pedestal and i think that it's it's very ironic because if you look at them and then you look at the the mothers that are actually being used for the mother's milk. It's like, so you will fuck the ones that are pretty and sure. get them pregnant. And yep. then you will, if, if something happens, if they like, you know, gain some weight or if they have a blemish or whatever, like then they become like, I'm wondering if the one if the ones that are being used for the mother's milk were once these lithe, thin, beautiful women that yes. like just they couldn't lose the baby weight or they couldn't do. And so their purpose oh, was sure. then defined by the appearance that they have. So like or, it would. What? Sorry, go ahead. 
I my my thought was that once they have birth and now they produce milk, mm-hmm. now we shift them over here, right? Because and once then, you start like breastfeeding, so to speak, it it's you it's your stopping it that dries it up. He, so he can just go at it. But how interesting that the two positions are your two positions of power are either as a woman are either gorgeous enough to breed, or you're able to produce his blessed mother's milk. Right. right. That's, those are your options. Another thing I think about the movie as a whole is there's so much contrast, both in the colors and in the characters. Like we've got the, the mothers who are all beautiful and scantily clad and whatever. And then we've got Immortan Joe, who is this disgusting, like, like, almost as disgusting as um what's this baron harkonnen from dune like boils and welts and probably a whole shitload of stds and like you know he's just this disgusting looking person who then tries to through his armor gain this appearance of an intimidating man like his chest piece has fucking abs for christ's sake like it's <laughs> yeah, it's a statement syphilis. Possibly, like, was he maybe a decent leader in the beginning, and then he got syphilis and it set his brain, and now he's—I mean, uh, that—that's a very real possibility. If I'm not mistaken, I know the actor who played him actually recently just passed. Um, yes, <laughs> rest in I peace. But uh, the actor who played him was in, I think, Thunderdome, the third original Mad Max movie. Mm-hmm. So I think it's his character from that movie has progressed into a Morton Joe. So he's always been kind of nuts. All right, sure. I, I love the casting in this movie, though. Like, I really, oh. I think that the casting is absolutely fucking incredible, especially Charlize Theron as Furiosa, because, like, like what else, like, if you look at what else Charlize Theron was, like, doing in 2015 and, like, kind of those surrounding years, like, it is very much not necessarily, like, a break from her, you know, what she was doing, but it, it very much speaks to, like, she was in Snow White and the Huntsman, and she was in, like, the Fast and the Furious, one of the Fast and the Furious movies, and, like, uh, Hancock as well, which, like, we all forget that that movie exists. I feel like collectively everyone forgot that Hancock exists. And, like, on purpose. I actually, really, on first purpose. of all, <laughs> I really like that movie. I'm not gonna lie. I'm unpopular opinion time. I think that Hancock was a really good movie. I think it's worth a read. I do love. Hancock I do love Will Smith and pretty much everything I, he touches. You can't but. not. Yeah. yeah. Um, so one kind of big element of this movie that obviously the the idea of women being the ones to have the burden on them of preserving life. Yep. And you see this a lot with um, God, and I'm I'm cannot remember her name for the life of me but the one who was pregnant who dies splendid was yeah. her title uh and yeah. and angered i'm not saying that right but i've got that written down mm, yeah i something something like that someone correct me i want to say angahar but that's not correct angered angered okay yeah she says or, or somebody repeats what she said at, at a certain point of how bullets are anti-seeds plant one and watch something die and she uh, she also says like no unnecessary killing at one point so i think that's kind of one spot where this movie does not do the best job of making sure that people understand that the preservation of life creation of life like it's a two-person thing like this is a two-person like a 
not I don't want to say two. It's like it's responsibility of all the genders, right? Like it is something that is not solely the burden of women. Yeah, that's that's so true. Like I, we see a lot of um and I I didn't write down any other names, but the um the women they meet out in the desert, uh, what are they called? The Something the mothers, Something the many mothers. mothers, many mothers. Yeah. yeah, there's the eldest one who has the these seeds, and there's this moment when she has died, and she's got her bag of seeds, and it, there's this very sweet moment when the wives like push her seeds toward her so she can die with them, and I think I think mm-hmm. that's very touching. But then, but then one of the other wives takes the seeds, and it's this like passing of the torch of like, you know, the crone to the to the maiden. Um, and there's a lot of mother maiden crone type things, which is, I mean, you know, kind of the same archetypes as like the the slut, the um, or the loose woman, the the mother, the the grandmother, we see a lot of those. That's how these women exist in this world. Um, and there are a couple of times when it doesn't it again puts this huge burden on the women of like, well, now that, that, you know, they have to take care of this now. They have to make sure that these seeds get planted. And it's like, where are the men going to take the responsibility for this at some point too? <laughs> I mean, if, if we know anything based on the world, they won't. Um, nope. We saw feminism episode over. Goodbye. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I, it's all with seeds. I also love that. So, I feel like we're talking so much about just the movie itself and like almost ignoring poor Furiosa. Um, She at one point says out here, everything hurts. And we don't know a lot about Furiosa's background. Like she does talk about in like one of the very few like kind of monologues or soliloquies in the, in the movie, she does dive a little bit into her background about how she was stolen um, and that she lived with these um, women and stuff. You can bring me my food. I want that food. Give me yeah, you can always bring in my food. Thanks. I love you. Nobody came. Ketchup. Where's Worse. mine? Wow, Jane. <laughs> we know what kind of person you are. I hate romance. You know it. Which I have to, while you're sipping, I have to make a point that um, part of the reason why this is able to be like one of my top 10 favorite movies is that the relationship between Tom Hardy and Charlize Theron, Max and Furiosa, just remains super platonic. Um, And Mm -hmm. there's this moment where he's, like, about to give her the blood or whatever, where you're like, "Mm, there better not be any hugs or kisses after this. And there just isn't. He just, like, genuinely wants this woman to survive because he knows that, like, she will go on to save this Mm -hmm. community of people. But it never, and Tom Hardy never gets, like, a a Tom Hardy hard-on for any of the pregnant wives or anything like that. Like, yep. the the only real romance in it is between the war boy and the red, red-haired one. Um, mm-hmm. And that is just just a delightful little story. And oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I am like that, and it's you know sweet. I'm the anti-romance. So, but it's very sweet. And then he, you know, sacrifices himself to save them. And it's just, ugh. Um, yeah. yeah. As yeah. we're talking about more about the film than Furiosa, Nicholas Holt was a brilliant mm-hmm. cast for that. Is yes. he's he's the guy from uh, the the Skins? Mm, Skins UK. He's in a zombie movie too. He's yeah, done a the, lot of other things. The zombie movie that's yeah. not that's warm not, bodies. Warm bodies. Well, he was yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> he's also he plays like a dick in something recently. The Great. You, that's what yes! the great. Yes, fuck, that's it. That's I, I was 
was like yeah. thinking, but I'm like, oh my god, I can't, I can't place him. I can't Great. place him. And then I'm like, oh, he did. he's I thought fucking he did. Peter. <laughs> so, yeah, he's Peter. I thought he did a fabulous job. But he's a he's a fucking incredible actor. Honestly, like he really is. I I got really sad when Nux died. I'm not gonna lie. Like I I yeah. I knew it, it happened. And I forgot how it happened, but it was very very sad. It was. I mean, uh, the, he the, saved all of them. He really and did. the way really he very like the the changing like he's he's you know they're all this this witness me thing is this huge um, thing for the war boys and the way he says it in the end when he's sacrificing himself is so different and you can see the growth he's gone through in just these last few days and it's so mm-hmm. sad your heart breaks for him and, and the things he's gone through and the thing the thing he's been shaped into and what also is insane is that like. Immortal and Joe is painted to be this person who is, like his name suggests, like immortal and who is like, you know, this ever present figure in their lives. And he's like their god. Essentially, they worship him. And like literally moments before like Nux dies, like he sees Immort and Joe die. And so it's like you get stripped of your god and then you are being sent to the afterlife. Like that's fucked. Like honestly, mm-hmm. like that is fucked. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you don't even have ten minutes to think, sit there and think about it and process. Like, okay, if he's not God, then what's the afterlife? Like, nope, you're just gone. Yeah, yeah. I think there's all this talk about Valhalla, which is in this movie a very, 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 very white supremacist version of that. I was, uh, I was about to bring that. Up. Yeah, it's it's so like that. That's a that's a poison that exists outside of this film. That there are many, many white supremacists. Lots of straight-up Nazis who appropriate um, Norse paganism. Specifically, they call it Odinism. Um, but the the way that he... I, th- I think um, Nux, before he dies, doesn't he say something about going to Valhalla? I think he does. Yeah, he does. He says... He like, does. Hey, and, and he's going of his own accord. He's going mm-hmm. it's because of what he's done. And he understands the true meaning of that in that moment. Like, I'm going here not because I'm doing something for a Morton Joe. I'm going to Valhalla because I have... I am saving people. I am doing the right doing thing. Good. I am dying yeah. a, a warrior in the truest, most honorable way. Um, and that's, that's really cool. Good for Nux. Sad he's dead. Thank you, Nux. <laughs> yeah. One thing I love about Charlize Theron and, like, her level of acting is, like, I mean, it's, I I consider her one of the greatest actresses, like, alive today. Like, she is out-fucking-standing in everything that she's in. Yes. <laughs> I love that when she plays this character, we don't see that Furiosa is this fearless woman that just is ready to march into battle. She looks fucking scared, like, a good portion of the time. Like, she looks fucking terrified. And it's like that gives you such a space to be connected to this character that, like, it doesn't matter that she is this, like, one-armed badass from the future. Like, I feel like a lot of people can see themselves in Furiosa because she shows that fear. And she's not, you know, like, it's not that she's doing it out of a, a... quest to be vulnerable around people it's like this is actually real instinctual fear that she is showing right there's and also a sadness too yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. if she fails think, she will yeah. die she will get killed like that's yeah. it's I, it's a one-shot deal yeah. and she's doing it she's risking risking her whole life for this for herself Absolutely. but also think, these women because mm-hmm. the situation was so bad yeah i think it's very symbolic that 
we start the movie with her grease war paint on her face, like just jet black all across her forehead. Horrible for And your as pores. the movie progresses oh. and she sweats <laughs> through it more and more, it slowly comes down as her own internal walls come down and she gets more comfortable with who she is and what's going on and with Max. Like just the little symbolisms in this movie that I picked up from watching it five or six times are astoundingly good. Right. Mm-hmm. I think too I also, the so sorry. No, go ahead. In our in our um in our uh podcast group that Liz and I and Christine are in, uh we've had several discussions about um the military and things like that. And I think um the juxtaposition between Furiosa as a warrior and the war boys, um, mm-hmm. kind of taking Mad Max out of it, but um the so so she is she's genuinely terrified but she's also you know an excellent combatant um as evidenced by her first battle with tom hardy which just like blows me out of the water right because she probably weighs half as much as him um and only has one arm but so cool um but this idea that she's not fearless but she uses her fear to make smart decisions whereas the war boys are even the the chrome that they spray in their mouth it's like you can just picture them as be the reason they're able to do all of these things is because they're not only hopped up on what's probably drugs um some sort of whatever mind-altering substance but also this adoration for their leader and it's just sort of the the how they're able to do battle like what it is that pushes them and allows them to do these things is just driven by two totally different things and um i mean yeah yeah I think the movie is very aware of the parallels drawn between the War Boys society and white supremacy, because in the War Boys, I see so much indoctrination of people who just don't know any better from a young age. Because you see the little War Boys, it, it scenes in the movies where they're like, they're four or five years old or maybe six and like painted up white, ready to fucking die, Mm -hmm. you know, and like. Uh, my my theory on what the war boys are is they all have cancer from radiation poisoning and there's probably other men in the movie we don't see but like these are the cancer patients where it's like okay you're going to die this horrible painful death regardless we'll trick you into believing in valhalla to explain everything and we're going to teach you the warrior's way and like blah blah toxic like be tough be this be that be ruthless like sacrifice yourself for the greater cause of white supremacy. You know, the, the sorry, did I say white supremacy? I meant Immortal Joe's <laughs> magic milk fountain. Hard to, hard to get you know, those like, confused. Yeah, they're totally distinct. White supremacy does not have a giant oasis in the middle of the desert. It's so... And none of their lead- leaders have scabies. It's so funny that you <laughs> <Richard> guys... Spencer. <laughs> it's so funny that you guys, like, mention this whole white supremacy thing because it's honestly not something that I thought about when going into this movie. But it's something that, like, I feel like I need to be more cognizant of because you can have an appreciation for culture. And you can have an appreciation for, like, the Viking culture. And... But, but to draw it into a way, like... So I don't know if you guys are aware, but there's a church, I want to say it's in Mississippi, that actually petitioned and, like, sued the state so that they could be a, like, whites-only church. Mm-hmm. And the reason... <clears throat> 
being is that they say that it's a part of their religion because they believe in like this old like they 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 say it's a pre like Christianity religion that you know believes that the Aryan race is supreme etc. And so they actually are allowed to have an all white church essentially in Mississippi. It's this crazy story, but. The, the first mistake that they make is that they put all their people that are like high up in the church public and all those people have public Facebooks. So you guys can imagine that I had a really great time until about four o'clock in the morning one night, just sending nice messages to all of them. Um, but the, 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 the thing is, is that like when you see these kids, first of all, we know that this apocalypse has been going on for more than however old they are. This is all they know. Like this is their entire life. And I actually, I didn't see them as cancer patients. I saw them as, or like, or, or being affected by radiation or anything. Like, I actually saw them as Immortan Joe's kids. And the mm-hmm. idea of, yeah. like, the, the women being things, as in the women are vessels that mm-hmm. he just uses to create children to serve this purpose. And do not care, you don't care about the body once it exits the womb. Like, it is there for you to abuse now, to do with what you please. And it's it, it's such a, a very um, kind of blatant parallel between how we treat not only the idea of choice and, and a woman's choice to do with her body what she, what she wills because she is the one who has her body, but it's like they don't care about the the baby that comes out of it they you know so it's like it's like we say that we want to protect children or we we don't want people to have abortions because we care about children then the child comes out gay or the child comes out you know like uh, they're or female they're, or female it or, is yours, or female yeah. or, or, or another a, race or down or, syndrome yeah. yeah, and and then it's like okay, let let's strip it of its healthcare, send it off into the world, and have a good time. Then it has to work yeah. for them, you know. No, we're it's, not. No, we're not sponsoring food banks. That's ridiculous. Yeah, fuck that. Right. Like, ju- when I was a child, I went out into the dirt and just dug and ate worms. Like it, every other child can do Fucking the same, same. Obviously, that's a mood. Yeah, and I think that's super evident in the way that uh, what's his name, Reptus. Rick Diss. Mm. I was just going to bring Rick that up. Diss. Rick Diss. He, I can't when, with the names in this movie. I, it, I they're no so idea. they're so intense. When because Spl- um, Splendid is dying, yeah. but she still has this you know baby that's she looks like she's maybe five months along, um, and the way that he cuts it out of her and the way he handles this baby, and like d- just the way he talks about this baby, like it and like just this thing and it's just like so grotesque there's also i don't know if anyone else gets this maybe i'm off the mark here and i'm wrong but i think it's implied that there's a lot of inbreeding because i think right okay because joe's joe's the only one who can fuck these women well where where do all these where do all these beautiful young women come from in a society that's been probably stuck like this for 30 years well and there i I mean mean, sometimes they're stealing them I, Immortan, I did sure, but Immortan Joe's like seventy, like right, yeah, and I and I think blonde. So I read this on like a fan wiki that Furiosa was actually stolen with the intention of being being a breeder, and she was barren. 
I don't know if this is a fan theory or if this is something that's been confirmed through comic books or something else, but that is that is a theory, is that she was stolen with every intention of being made a breeder and she was barren. And so she was cast aside, but she, this is how, you know, explains her, um, how she came into this high rank in the military, even in this patriarchal society, is that she made some way of being useful. Um, you know, because once she stopped being able to breed, she was no longer useful. So she had to make her own way. She had to survive somehow. And I hope we get a better explanation of that in the Furiosa movie. That would be I actually, I, I had the same thought, but I didn't think that it was because she was barren. I thought it was because she lost her arm because they make all those same. comments after her, um, her the the pregnant one's calf gets shot, right? They're like, oh, you've, yeah. you've marked her or whatever. So I, I actually yeah. had the same oh, thought. I did too. That's possible. And I didn't know, because we don't have a ton of backstory, my assumption was that maybe they didn't notice her, like, when she was stolen, if they maybe didn't notice the arm issue. And so he won't breed with her because he thinks it's a defect. Yeah. That's totally possible. I also wondered if a Morton Morton Joe was... Again, like like the center of all this, because when they take the baby out and Rictus yells out, like, I had a brother. I'm like, so did, are you talking like you had a brother, like your, like your war boy's brother? But he specifically says I. Or like, I had a brother, which makes me think there is some, not like we had a brother. Mm -hmm. I had a brother, as in that is, we have the same father. Oh, so uh, yeah, I think. I, oh, totally. Including the little little dude in the chair. I think he's a brother too. Yeah. Ugh. Mm-hmm. So, well, and, and a lot of weirdness there. Yeah. yeah. Right. What do y'all y'all want to make the over under before too much more comes out about the Furiosa movie about whether Furiosa cuts off her own oh. arm Ooh. to not be abused Ooh. by Ooh. a Joe? Fuck. It wouldn't surprise me. I got about a hundred bucks on that. Me. I got about a hundred bucks on that. But that seems like a totally Furiosa like. Oh, you want me? Well, guess what? what I'm if not she worth doesn't it. Like wow, he's like, like, fuck you. Yeah, she's chained and she cuts it off. Ooh, like a coyote. I would do below below the elbow though, if that were. Yes, Mm -hmm. she did. It was below the elbow. Where the chains at? Was it? No, I thought it was. No, actually, it was a little bit further up. It was just right above the elbow. You know, I. That's a big commitment. Two things. Oh sure. Two things. No, she's got a nub. She's got a nub. It's it's right below the elbow. All right. So. Two things real quick. Um, first of all, just this is just a side comment that warrants really no response, but like I didn't really notice that she didn't have an arm like the first like three times that I watched this movie. Not gonna lie. Like I don't know. She I don't has know a why. mechanical arm. Like- I know, I know, but I didn't notice that her <laughs> actual arm wasn't there. For some reason I thought it just like was going over her which was like, like a gauntlet. Awesome. Like You thought it was like a cool mech. Glove. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'm I'm an idiot. But second thing, I just did some quick googling because I'm like sitting here thinking I'm like, okay, for the first thing that I googled is what's the name of the ugly guy that molested children in Mormonism and it's Warren Jeffs. So that was the first thing that popped up. I I know his name. I've listened to 100,000 podcasts <laughs> about Mormonism because it's so fucking fascinating to me. But I was wondering if anybody had ever drawn parallels between Warren Jeffs and Immortan Joe. And so I just did some quick Googling, and yes, um, a religious podcast called, or a religious, I, guess, I don't know if this is a newsletter or what it is, um, uh, called Episcopal Cafe, draws, um, looks like, comparison between Prophets Pray, which is a um, essentially about 
it's a documentary about how Warren Jeffs essentially rose to the height of the Mormon church and used his power to abuse the fuck out of anybody that he could get his hands on. And it's it talks a little a little bit about like the distort the distortion of scripture, but like I thought that it was very the through the eyes of of I guess like a faith-based document or like a faith-based newsletter they say um Imp- imperator furiosa i might be wrong but isn't he still considered the president of the church yes. of latter-day saints even though he's in yes. prison yep he is a hundred percent cool um, we will we'll get for, for child for child sexual abuse stuff. by the way so this um this kind of faith it looks like a faith based and I'm I'm literally this is happening in real time that I'm looking this up but like this like faith based newsletter says Imperator Furiosa is trying to escape with Joe's women one of whom is pregnant across a huge desert to a homeland she has only heard about that's where the chase comes in and that's where we see the hash, the quote unquote feminist twist um, but it's really nothing more than women doing what men have always done in movies the death defying shoot 'em ups with great special effects so it's more of the masculization of women than it is feminization at least in the bible we read numerous stories of women being strong without acting like their male counterparts and i i take a lot of issue with that whole entire statement yeah same. Um, yeah <laughs> at least in the bible at least in the bible like you lost all right, me there you, lost you, so, you were so close so close for a second there but i i 100 yeah. percent, I, I disagree with that just because of the fact that you know furiosa is Again, she is a woman who is not afraid to be emotional and to show her emotions. And she also, she comes from obviously something that is tragic. And she is put in a situation where she is left essentially completely hopeless because they are trying to move across the desert. They are in an an impossible situation where they are, she, when she, what I find so fascinating is like, I don't know what her motivation was for doing this for these women like she talks about how she actually did try to go to her like back to her homeland um before and she's tried it multiple times but she never um like she was never successful in finding it and i don't really know like i feel like that was her goal before she decided to help these women but i almost want to see like the interaction between her and these women prior to that um because first of all, they're kept in a safe. So like, how did they, you know, have access to them? Right. And then second of all, it's like, I feel like it's not just a jump up and say, Oh my God, we need help. Will you help us real quick? Like there was definitely planning and stuff that went into this. Well, so there's Mm -hmm. the older mother caretaker. Like I'm, I'm guessing that was the, the old lady Joe kills. I have Mm -hmm. a feeling was like the original wife. That's that's my guess. But I have a feeling her being infertile at this point due to age, she is tasked with taking care of the other wives because why would Joe do that? But mm-hmm. through her, I think, is Joe's downfall is you've tasked this woman to take care of the wives. That's exactly what she's going to fucking do, just not the way you want her to. At which point, I feel like it would have been the wives go, we want out. And the head wife, the oldest one, says, okay, well who's going to be on our side. Well, Imperator Furios is the only other woman here who has any authority or power. And moreover, she commands war boys. They listen to her. They respect her. She is one of them. And yet she is not due to being a woman at which point let's make contact and probably says Furiosa, This is your duty. 
Yeah. Like to me, Furiosa moving the women out doesn't seem like a, oh, I feel bad for them. I'm going to help them. It's like, no, this is my job. My job is to rescue these women, not because they're women or because women are helpless and need rescuing. And I'm such a butch woman. I can, you know, fill the man's role. It's like, no, I'm this badass general in this army and I need to circumvent my shitty boss and do what's right, which is people are not things Mm -hmm. like I need to free these enslaved people. It doesn't matter who. And then furthermore, she comes back. I mean, yeah, plot reasons. It's barren out in the wilderness, but like they come back to the oasis, but like, Furiosa makes sure they fucking go back to the Oasis and take over and free everyone mm-hmm. because it's the right thing to do. Right. She's not just like saving the wives. She's saving everybody at that point. Yeah. I mean, and and she's the white knight of the story, story without being like that awful white knight right. male protagonist I think, bullshit I think trope. I, I do. There's Here's a, another area where I think this film falls just a little short of the mark in that she... Her plan is we're going to drive across the desert and because that's that's all she thinks to do. And then Max is the one who says, we're going to go back. We're going to take the Oasis. And I, I, I feel like that maybe could have been something that she could have come up with herself. You know, like I, I didn't love that her, his plan is the one that ended up working. You know, I don't know. Again, this could just be me being hypercritical, but I, I feel like that was just a little like really this this smart woman didn't and maybe she was just tired you know that that could maybe be it she was just like i guess we're just gonna keep going you know but i i kind of i i felt like that was maybe a short way maybe there's another interpretation sorry christine were you trying to say something no go ahead morgan go ahead Uh, the way i read into that was like furiosa's had one prerogative the whole time and not just the whole movie but like her whole life has been Mm -hmm. get home like just get home and it's like well home doesn't exist anymore like well, there's got to be, like, no, that's not true. Home's got to be out there somewhere. And Tom Hardy is the sobering voice saying, sweetie, home doesn't exist anymore. We have to go make sure. one. Like, it's, he's her, her consultant. So put it in perspective. I, that was my like, agreement. That oh, he ahead, kind sorry. of, that he was kind of like, whatever you're out there searching for in terms of, like, the green place. I don't know if it's out there, but I can tell you where it is. Like, I don't know if it's in front of you, but I can tell you it is behind you. Um, and so I think, but I, sure. I, it did surprise me that all the women were like, yep, we'll just keep going. Like, it did surprise me that, because these, these, the, the, the many mothers have been in the area. They know that it's gone. Like, how far are you going to travel to try and right, find it? Exactly. Because it's not like they're fresh to the area. Yeah. I, I would have liked to see one of the many mothers do what Max had done, you know, and and say, "Girly, there's no, that's yeah. all salt." Um, I, you know, just to put it in perspective, but, like she at one point they like essentially ask her how long she's been away, and she says seven thousand days, which like I had to do the math, but yeah. that's nineteen years. Like that that's is the one a she l- forgot. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's like a long time. A long time for for somebody to have that kind of hope and still be insistent that it's there. Like one day is a long time for me to have hope about anything. Like (laughs) like, my, my, mm. my interpretation of the green place was it was the Oasis. Like she got ripped from her family at the Oasis and just doesn't remember because it was so traumatic. And a Morton Joe's corrupted it 
into this horrible fucking slave slave yard with all the, you know, everything a Morton Joe does. And the many mothers have gone out into the wilderness to survive. And it's been so long, they don't remember that they had a home. Like, it's, they're out in the wilderness. That's home now. They've forgotten that the green place was the oasis because Mm -hmm. after so many years and then they hear about it, like, they might not even hear about it in the context of, oh, it's this green oasis and a Morton Joe runs it. It's like, no, this is a Morton Joe's fortress. Like, well, he's a bastard. Let's stay the fuck away from there. Not realizing, like, that was your home. That is where stuff grows. Like, that's where you plant your seeds. I think it's super interesting, too, that, like, when when they get back, like, to the Citadel, Furiosa is ready to ascend, essentially. Like, she is ready to take on that role. Um, and the the only indication mm-hmm. that she may have any kind of hesitation is, like, she looks back and she doesn't see, like, Max there with her, which it's, like... You know, yeah, she doesn't need him. Obviously, she doesn't. She essentially saved him throughout the whole fucking movie. But, like, she is ready to move into a position of power and take on that responsibility. And I think that's, like, I think that speaks to her, like, ability to transform these situations into something that is beneficial for everybody. And I think she has faith that she can do that because... All it took for these people to be like, yeah, fuck this ugly ass guy. Like, we are not following Immortan Joe anymore. He's a piece of shit. Was them seeing him dead. Yeah. Here's so your it's dead like, god. Sh- well, he's not yeah. a mortal Can we just you? discuss yeah. that that scene where Tom Hardy gets out of the car, rips off the sheet, and then Furiosa comes out. I was like, okay, Tom Hardy... And Furiosa are Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And they just ripped that sheet off of Donald Trump. And everyone was like, We did it, Joe! We We did did it! Oh god. Oh my god. Oh, I love so it. Good. I'm gonna make it. They now. they kinda had like the inauguration like vibe too, where they were like, yeah. hey everybody, hi. Yep. Amanda everybody. Gorman comes out. Like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and now for our poet laureate. <laughs> our poet laureate, Nix Nux or Rictus or whatever. Yeah, Nux. <laughs> I I love that uh Max left. Yes. I do yes. too alert. Love that he walked yeah. away from it. Love that yeah. this wasn't a. And now we're here, and Max has refound his family that he has lost. Nope, he's still looking. He's still gone. Well, and not only that too, he's like, but it's you like, got it, honey. You're done. Yeah, they didn't crown him. Which, yep. like, how many times do we see in a movie where a woman does the fucking work? Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, um, and then the man comes back and is the one who is lauded and revered. Yes. Like, like yeah. I'm sorry, but Eowyn 100%. is the reason why everybody was there in the end. Like, not fucking Aragorn. Like, I, I, hot take, but <laughs> like, I, I think that scene was a very, like, it was very powerful when the people just rallied behind her and they were chanting like lift them up lift them up and then you see the the wives helping people up like they're pulling people Mm -hmm. up onto the pedestal with them Mm -hmm. and it's like again it's 
my brain is like fighting with itself thinking like okay well it's really not all of women's jobs to just make the world like we are not your moral compass like just it's it's not our job to do this but at the same time it is seeing a woman ascend to power in a way that I want to know what happens next. Like, I want to know mm-hmm. so bad, like, what she... Like, that's the story that I want to hear. Like, I know that Furiosa, I think it's going to be a prequel. But, like, I want to fucking know what happens after she takes power. Like, how how does it... Like, please don't tell me it just turns into, like, fucking Waterworld or something. And, like, <laughs> everyone just gets fucked. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the place now becomes the new green place. They plant all the seeds. It becomes a largely diverse area. There's really great communication trains that run into the Gas Boys and the Bullet Brothers. And um, there's women in a council, and everybody lives in a happy little hut. There's like four Trader Joes. Yeah. There's four, there's four Trader Joes. Sounds good. I love it. <laughs> okay, wait. I'm oh sorry, God. you guys. I have to take my metaphor one step further. The little dude in the chair with like the spyglass. Spy yeah, who is it? That's Mike Pence, right? Because he's like trying to survive, trying to survive, even though I love that analogy. Like that is that's kind of perfect because in the end, everybody was lifting them up and and look at how look at how all lost they were when a Morton Joe came out. Like suddenly they were like, huh? And I love that they weren't sure about lifting up, and it was a whole bunch of kids who came around and push it yeah. over and are like yeah that that innocence of not quite brainwashed enough to just go with the flow but be like all right we'll bring them up then yeah they're and they're I not wonder only kids they're war boys in training right yeah so yeah could have gone either way i i love too that like when they're referring to um splendid's child to be or even um the other one that was pregnant the one that was played by um oh that fucking actress the one that that one one. fucking actress who's in that one fucking movie as well um but i love that like when they're talking about their babies um they're like joking with each other about how it's like the next little um like little joe or like little yeah my little yeah little warlord yes and it's like you know you can tell they're joking with themselves about it but like that's what the like that's what immortan joe and his like you know family or whatever like think of these people as like Mm -hmm. they just see them as expendable right I actually kind of appreciated that part of the movie it took a little bit of a risk there I think and this idea that when a woman becomes pregnant she automatically becomes like the perfect you know like would do anything and and I realize that they're trying to escape and there are a couple of lines that are like you know we don't want our children to be raised here or whatever but there's this line with that fucking actress, the one who gets in with the seed woman, super, super blonde. Anyway, um, and she's she's pregnant, but she's not showing very much. And um, she's talking to the seed woman and she says, are you are you are you pregnant, too? And she's like, yeah, it's going to be fucking ugly. Like this idea that pregnancy does not inherently make you like a wonder mom and that you She's still disgusted by the fact that she's carrying this child, I think. And it doesn't necessarily mean that she's going to act one way or another. But I don't know. I I thought that was a little risky of the movie to do. But it it was good. It was good. It was right, I think, for them to do it that way. That she wasn't like, my baby. Yeah, she wasn't wasn't like, 
I it's it's gonna be perfect. He's gonna live. I'll a do beautiful. anything to save it. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. it was like my. She was like, damn it. Well, I yeah, mean, it's hot hot take here. Uh, I feel like that wasn't risky of the movie at all. Like, how about give some women some power when dealing with the fucking yeah. Yeah. carrying exactly in in a in a world where they have no access to abortion and have to deal with it? Like, yeah. Make whatever jokes make you feel a little sure. more comfortable about this carrying thing. part of your rape. But there are a lot of people who get really upset when, you know, like pregnancy is supposed to be this like really beautiful, magical time. And she just kind of like shat on it. And I really appreciated that. And to be fair, uh, that mechanic slash a baby doctor, I think uh-huh. could really do whatever you wanted in terms of abortion care. So because uh, yeah. that's... That you scene, might be right. whether you yeah. make it out alive, when, is and when he question. pulls out the like umbilical cord and kind of like whips ooh, it around, yes. oh my god, that was risky. Very I, I bet yeah. any any like pro pro life person watching that might have gotten a little a little, well, a little worked up. And and you also like with with the conversation about you know life and choice like they didn't get i mean i know that she was dying but like you know they just went ahead and they were like let's just take it out of her yes. like you know fuck it like oh yes yeah. it was she's on her last breath we'll get the baby yeah push her oh through to the god, end and get the baby and i was like oh my god yeah continue using her as a vessel yeah. now the vessel is dead well gotta get it out of there yep yeah. I think the other thing that I enjoyed, I feel, I feel like we're going to have to rename this episode from Fur- from Furiosa to just like straight out Mad Max. Yeah, yeah. Fury Road review. Like I yeah. liked. I, how, how about Furiosa this for an episode? Furiosa Road. Road. Furiosa Road. Um, I liked that the women, the the breeders, despite as as they went farther and farther on and kind of saw the danger they were in. I mean, they've probably always known it, but they don't fully. Like you said, they're in a vault. Like, they don't fully get it. That they began to participate, whether it means that they will throw themselves yeah. out the side of a vehicle because they know they won't get hurt, or whether they count bullets or load guns or whatever. That's likely all very new to them. So this idea of bravery and, like, you know what? Someone else is doing this for me. I'm going to get – I'm going to do it. Um, was awesome mm-hmm. to me that that was they weren't just like oh help me yeah and this girl in the back yeah. they were like well I'm gonna load this I'm gonna load this gun right and I'm gonna strangle the- you and throw myself out the side and do what I need to do to get everybody out yeah I I had written down how remarkable it was that Splendid had literally thrown herself outside the vehicle to protect yeah. Furiosa and then Furiosa later does that for the women there are a couple of times when she shields yeah. their bodies with yeah. her own and it's 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 really amazing that that she does that um and also there was that moment where I can't remember her name but after Splendid mm-hmm. died um she was trying to run yeah. back. She Cheeto. was like, he'll forgive Cheeto. me, he'll forgive me. Cheeto, yeah. And then later, there's this moment when she does that again. She's like, wait, come take me. And it's a ploy to get her in there so she can help fucking yeah. kill him. That was so poetic and yeah, cool. I enjoyed that. I loved I, that. That was so great. I was so scared. My I was like, oh no. Time- my first time watching the movie, I got so mad. I was like, really, bitch? Again, you're really running back bitch. to him? Like, what the fuck? Have you learned nothing over the last hour? And it was like, Stop it. oh my Stop god, yes! That. Yes! Yeah, and, uh, and, and if she had, though, I, I could never have blamed her for a second. Right. You know? She's, she is 
brainwashed yep. beyond belief. All, I mean, not all, but a lot of victims of or survivors of abuse. You know, why why do women stay with mm-hmm. their abusive husbands because they're manipulated into it? And I'm I'm glad that she was able to um, get out of that. But there's there's no shame in not being able to get out of that. Like it's a very Abusers are good at what they do. Yeah, well, so it's hard to get out of that. What is it like? Eighty percent of deaths in abusive relationships happen within forty-eight hours of the survivor. Or, well, I guess Breaking in this case, off. not survivor, the victim ending stuff. Yeah, yeah, yep. Like I had a you know I had a friend whose abuser almost immediately tried to kill her, which yep. landed him six months in jail and fractured her orbital lobe with a two by four. Six months. Six months. Nice. Uh, Daddy's a big wig politician in Minnesota. Uh, and um, Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. I, I won't say names for her safety because she's asked the friends group to uh, not intervene. Course, and yeah. It's not that I can't handle it myself. It's, listen, y'all, he's super dangerous, as is uh, his yeah. father. Uh, I don't want any collateral damage, and the best oh, way yeah. to avoid that is don't get involved. Yeah. However, pretty much everyone in that friends group also has vowed that if they ever happen to see him on the sidewalk, they were totally drinking and driving and accidentally slammed him into a wall with their car <laughs> at 30, yeah. at, at 50 or 60 miles an hour. And, oh, he tragically didn't make it. Like mm-hmm, It's like, mm-hmm. so, you know, it essentially, I now that I'm thinking about it, like I said earlier that there are very few, like, um, people of color in this movie. And, while that is, I believe, a tragedy for the representation in the film, um, I think it also is kind of accurate of like what this world would be that Immortan Joe would have painted it, you know, out to be. Because obviously he was looking yeah. for this kind of perfection. We talked a little bit about like the Aryan idea of society or like these Aryan ideas that are just fucking stupid um well and oh go ahead sorry i I was just gonna say like i think that um you know it's almost better because i feel like if we would have seen these representations of people of color they would have been just in positions of of abuse in this movie like people that were you know abused yeah um and yeah we don't need more trauma porn of of yeah people of color well like if if we look at it from a tactful uh, lack of representation, like, who are the POC characters in the movie? Zoe Kravitz is one of them. She's one of the wives. And, and she's very main, light-skinned, That's too. exactly what I was going to bring up, is hey! she's the level of white-skinned where most, like, snotty, racist-ass white people are like, eh, she's like one-eighth black, so she's... Uh, honorary white she's still a cast below us but she's whiter than a paper bag at which point she is acceptable within our society but dark-skinned people are not like it's disgusting but i think it's very representative of the culling of any color that Immortan joe is committed and zoe kravitz's character probably only got like was only allowed to live in that society in the first place because she's fucking beautiful Like, if she were a, you know, kind of darker, I mean, same skin tone, but, like, just average-looking or below-average-looking woman, like, eh, she probably would have just been war boy plaything and discarded, which is why we don't see other women anywhere in the movie. Yeah. 
Like Yeah, the, there is that one there is a singular black woman who is a feeder. Yeah. Um so you have to wonder if the same thing happened with her where she was a she was a wife at one point. Um or maybe she never got to be a wife, you know, she never carried Joe's children, but she would have been um you know, impregnated by war boys or whatever, just to get her lactating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that, that's... and then her baby's discarded just so she could keep, yeah, you know, yep. being a literal fucking cow for them. That's probably what happened to her. I mean, that that is very historically accurate as far as slaves and um, wet nurses go. Yep. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. That is actually, yep. That's a pretty strong parallel. Um, apparently, I'm just making quips throughout this entire episode, but when you were, um, Morgan, when you were making the point about Zoe Kravitz and her light skin color um, and about how she, like, passes the test, I couldn't help but think of what has anybody been talking about this week, which is the Queen of England apparently not being cool with Meghan Markle's skin color, even though she is the most gorgeous mm. person on the planet, and their baby is whiter than snow. Yep. And yep. just how ridiculous that yep. is. And um, oh, I actually had that thought when I saw Zoe Kravitz as I was like, hmm, okay, you know, because... It's it's the same same thing. She, I mean, it's like yeah. might as well be white, sort of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my uh, <laughs> my family's got a funny story about that. My granddad on my dad's side is from here in Texas, like middle of nowhere. He's lived in the same town for sixty years. Like at one point, he had an employee working for him on his ranch years and years ago, and just referred to him as my Mexican. Oh, like, not by his name or whatever. Oh, so he does this. And at one point, my dad just snaps at him. And it's like, dude, my fucking wife is Mexican. My fucking kids are half Mexican. Like, they're not property. They're fucking people. Like, if you don't like it, I can just stop coming to Christmas. I would be happy to not bring the kids to Christmas and not bring the kids to see you. That like a great out for holidays, though, right? Right? I was just, peace. (laughs) Well, I I think the issue was my granddad's in such a small town that, like, they, they just have no exposure to the larger world around them. So it wasn't even he's unwilling to get with the times. He just didn't know any better. Because, sure. like, the dude's a staunch Republican and blah, 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 and I've got all my issues with him. But, like, as a person, he's super accepting of other people. He's also just manipulated by the media. But, like, you know, the group of guys he goes and gets coffee with every morning, every day of the week for the last 30 years, it's like a black guy, an Indian guy, and two white guys and him. Like, they don't care that they're different, like... No, it's just the older group of guys who likes to hang out that's and chat. How, that's how racism works, you know, It's not against individual people. Truth. It's always against mm-hmm. groups. So. Right. Truth. Yeah. I have a black I... friend. <laughs> what? Right. Just Jane, said, when did you get it? I have a black friend. Where did you get it? So I want to kind of end this on a um, kind of positive note. So... Um, if you've been looking at, obviously, I asked you all earlier if you knew that there was another Furiosa movie coming out, and you said yes, so I'm sure that you all are aware that she's being played by the lovely Anya Taylor-Joy, who is a fucking treasure of a woman, and she was recently in The Queen's Gambit, which, like, is, I, I can't with that show. Like, the, the, the amount of like grief representation in that show that's just like absolutely fucking beautifully written and beautifully played is like it was so it was, so, it was just amazing um but 
Liz and I, I have gone back and forth about this show so many times. Please tell me y'all haven't done an episode on that yet. So Okay, I want in on, on that as a chess player and a fan of that show. <laughs> Liz makes all these points about what a beautiful show it is and how great the acting is and yada yada. And I'm like, mm, still about chess. I can't. <laughs> I just can't. I, I, Jane, if I had a webcam, <laughs> I'd be washing my hands I did right also, now. I did also make the point, though, that like the, uh, what's the, the other guy's <laughs> name that's in it? The like, the, the guy who plays Benny. He looks like three puppies stacked in a trench coat because he's, oh, he's yeah, the little kid from um he's the, the kid, the from, kid love from love actually, actually. yes yeah. and he looks the and same he's still now. the kid from love actually and, and bridge to terabithia yes. I think. and he uh he's like 35 or something outrageous and he looks like an yeah he's he looks ancient. like an infant like this scene where like and not to not spoil this oh. or anything well, there was. I was gonna say like not like not not to spoil it or anything, but I'm about to spoil it. But like the scene, Josh, the scene where something. him and uh and Anya Taylor Joy's character like do it. I'm just like I feel uncomfortable. This is like watching like child stuff. I'm like I'm he not. Looks I'm like not he needs a protein supplement. Like he needs to he's go to gotta, GNC. Okay, he's, he's not 35. He is 30, but oh, that sorry. still makes him older than me. Yeah, he's how but old are you? In, um, God, I'm aging. Oh. <laughs> Well, it, it, are we going actually or technically? Because <laughs> technically, hardcastles age at twice the rate, which is why I'm such a crotchety fuck all the time. <laughs> so technically, technically, I'm I'm 54 going on 56, and actually, I'm 27 going on 28. 27's a you good said age you were, to live you said through you a pandemic, you though. You said you thought you oh, were it's no, it's me. I was gonna say it's Wait, probably Joss. Joss. Yeah, I'm 24. Oh, okay. How are you? How are you? You're the baby. How do your hips feel? Are they just like really like flexible? My hips? They're they're doing well so far. My knees though. Oh, my knees too. My my bullshit's starting in my knees. I think the funniest here. Here's what I was going to point out about Thomas Brody Sangster, the boy was he was in Nanny McPhee as like this little six year old. He was fucking yeah. fifteen. Oh my fucking in Nanny God. McPhee. Oh he was fifteen Damn. playing like an eight year old. Oh my God. Didn't like, they say he want women young. He won an ask an Oscar for Nanny McPhee, right? I think. I'm pretty sure. What? What? He won I said he won Nanny. an Oscar for Nanny McPhee. Wow. That movie no, he Oscar. didn't actually win an Oscar for Nanny McPhee. That's a joke because he's three puppies in a trench coat. <laughs> Stay with me, people. <laughs> I'm still, right over that. I like it. <laughs> Our All Oscars right, so episode back, is not back, back Nobody won an so, Yeah, sorry, sorry. Anna Taylor. Yep. Um, oh my okay. god. Do you I have think... portillos, Liz? Do you have fucking, fucking... portillos? Oh, yeah. I'm eating. I'm eating almonds. <laughs> sorry, did we just say. Wait. Whoa, back it up. Back Liz, do you have Portillos? Yes, I have Yeah, because she hates us. Okay. Rude. Aside, we all know that when the floors in my house were getting replaced by my husband and his friend, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go to a hotel on the other side of town for a few days because I don't want to be here. Um, so I just jumped in a hotel, got a ton of Portillos, and mm-hmm. sat in my hotel room and uh, watched like the Great British Bake Off and ate portillos. <laughs> and yeah, it was it's I, so, oh, that's brilliant. I thought you were going to say that 
you rented a Portillo's and that was your hotel for two days and you just lived in the kitchen. Oh my god, I'd still be there. This booth there'd be, is There'd be a standoff now. going on and I'd hold all the beef. <laughs> oh my god. I usually <laughs> hold all the beef. Ayo. Yep. Oh. With that note, what? I think that's a good Gross. place to end it. Always on a dick joke, right? Or always on a dick. Ay. Um, Ay. <laughs> I want to thank all of you guys for being. I want to thank my family and my friends and everyone in my life. <laughs> and God. <laughs> no, thank you, Liz. I feel I God in this tonight. I want to thank God for giving me the opportunity to slander. Is this your on a podcast. Nanny McPhee exception? <laughs> 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 this is my <laughs> <laughs> you can't win it you're three puppies in a trench coat oh my god alright guys thank you so much I love all of you guys and we will see thank you, you next Liz. week thank right, you man.